Today we have a great privilege of celebrating communion kingdom style. And so my prayer today is that your heart will be ready for this and that we're going to, we're going to take a look at what God has done for us, what Christmas is really all about, the real meaning of Christmas, not just the superficial meaning. We're going to talk about our response to the gospel. And uh, as you know, can you, this stuff's amazing, right? And uh, this is the upper room. This is a replication of the upper room. And if you notice that uh, tables are low, they came in reclined uh, 2,000 years ago, right before Jesus was crucified. This was, this was um, a series of teachings that, where Jesus took his disciples apart, starting in about John 13 to about John 17. And uh, in the midst of all of that, there was some amazing truth that was proclaimed about who Jesus was, is, and what, he's, what he was going to accomplish. And uh, his disciples, up until this moment, were blinded to the fact that he was going to die. And he, he tells them plainly in this upper room discourse, I'm going to die. And of course, they didn't want that to happen but that was the plan from the very beginning, that Christ would die for not only their sins, but for our sins. So as we partake today, let's just prepare our hearts. Just take a moment in your, in your soul, in your mind, and, and if there's a sin that needs to be confessed, that would be an appropriate thing to do. Um, and uh, celebrate today. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to just step into your life this morning and speak in a very powerful way. Lord God, I come before you this morning and I thank you, Lord, for just the privilege that we have together to, Lord, um, sup with you, God, to fellowship with you, to, to be with you, God. And my prayer, God, today is that you'll take uh, this 30 minutes that we spend together and that you'll make it, Lord, into something beautiful and powerful. And, and I pray, God, this is my personal prayer, is that you'll wreck us a bit. That today, God, that you will step into our lives in a way that we will see uh, what Christ actually did for us. And I pray that you would be glorified by all that we do. And uh, I just commit this time to you in a very powerful and prayerful way. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. So welcome to the upper room. And uh, I, I just want you to just kind of put yourself back a couple thousand years ago. And I want you to ignore the people around you, even if they're family, just ignore them. And I want you to enter into the words that Jesus had to say, what he did that night, where he, what, what, his, what was on his heart and what was on his mind. During these last hours, Jesus spent with his beloved friends. He ate with them. This is the Passover. This was the Passover meal. And he transformed this Passover meal into something extremely special. And uh, of which we celebrate 2,000 years later called communion. And he instituted the new covenant by his blood. He gave them last minute instructions and encouragement. And prayed over them this thing in John 17 that we call the high priestly prayer. And if you don't know what that means, go to John 17 this week. And uh, look at the heart that Jesus had and has towards you. 
as he prays this same prayer over you on a regular basis, John 17. That's a thing that happened. And then he went out to face the sorrow and betrayal and rejection and death uh, for which he had come into this world. And what's interesting is, is that we're going to experience a little bit of interaction here today. But uh, in two of the Gospels, the Gospels say that they sang a hymn. More than likely that hymn came from Psalm 117, about 120. But we're going to sing a modern version of uh, what that would be like today. And I think it will be very meaningful to you. And uh, as they sang that hymn, he went out to face sorrow, betrayal, rejection, and death for which he had come into the world. This was this from the time that he was a small kid. He knew exactly what his mission was. He emptied himself of the right to be regarded as God, took on the form of a human servant, was born on this day that we call Christmas Day. It really wasn't December 25th, but that's another story. But that's when we celebrate it. And what we're celebrating there is honestly the amazing incarnation of Jesus Christ. So I want to I want to start with a passage of scripture that I think is really powerful. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 22 verses 14 and following. So listen to what these words say. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, much like this table right here. And this is what Jesus said to them. I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Jesus was anxious about this meal. He wanted to sit down with his disciples and he wanted to, he wanted to in, initiate something brand new. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. We've been in a series called the, about the kingdom of God. And uh, today what Jesus says here is so significant because what he says is that there's going to come a time when he's going to partake of this supper together. In, we're going to partake of it with him in his presence in the kingdom to come. So it is a proclamation of his coming, his second coming. It's an amazing thing what, what he says here and what he does here. But this is about the kingdom. And he says, I'll, when, when I do it with you again, uh, I'm going to do it with, with you in my father's kingdom. And it will be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Can you imagine that day? Where millions of people throughout all history, sit down with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we partake. I don't know how it's gonna, I don't know how the logistics of that is gonna work. I have no idea. But God is the great uh, person of logistics, and so he's gonna figure that out. I don't need to. And, uh, and he's not gonna need our staff to do it either. But the reality is, is it's gonna happen, and it's gonna happen just as he said. And so today, we're gonna partake of, the, of communion together in a way that I hope is meaningful and precious and powerful in your mind and your heart. And uh, my prayer today is that this won't be business as usual. Don't get your, check, your checklist out and say, I checked off church today. This is about an experience with God. He's here right now. Jesus is here in our, in our midst. And I'm just telling you right up front, he wants to sup with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate to you. He wants to bless you. He wants, to, he wants you to understand certain things about who he is and what he has done for you. So I want you to enter into this experience together. 
And uh, the home team right now is going to come and they're going to pass out some elements. Uh, well, here's some, some basic instructions before we get there. Uh, there's going to be some bread and there's going to be some juice. The juice comes from our vineyard up in the upper parking lot. So we're partaking of that. Uh, you know, amen. It's awesome. And uh, it's not fermented yet, so don't get your hopes up. I'm just saying, it's not fermented yet, but I think you'll enjoy this. The bread, uh, we'll explain that in just a minute, but it, it is a very powerful thing. Uh, I just want to address you if you're new here today and maybe you don't know, you've never crossed that line of faith, never put your hope in Jesus. And if that's the case for you, uh, don't feel any pressure today to partake of anything we're doing. You could just be an observer. You can be a fly on the wall and, and watch, and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable with it. There's no pressure for you to partake. Um, but when you partake of this, don't, when you get to, when you get to the bread and the juice, uh, just hold them. We're gonna take them together. So don't get ahead of me, okay? Just saying, because I'm gonna come down there if you do. And then we're gonna have to start all over again if you get, if we, if that happens. So, I'm not quite done. So just hold on just one second. So, but you, thank you anyway. Um, as you think about this, as you think about this, it's time for you to prepare your heart and it's time for you to really, really slow your life down right now. Slow it down and uh, really engage with God. Can you do that? Slow your life down. It's crazy out there, right? In a few minutes, you're going to go back into that crazy world and, and it's going to be nuts out there. So why don't we just have some solitude with God right now? And uh, as you are... As you're thinking about that, I'm just going to say, in two of the Gospels, in two of the Gospels, Jesus says, that it's recorded, that they sang a hymn. And so we're going to do that very thing throughout the, the series of this particular experience together. And I'm I want you to notice that I'm not calling this a sermon. I'm calling this an experience. This is a, an invitation from, from God to come and sup with him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I'll come in him and sup with him, he with me. This is an invitation by God himself to really powerfully, specifically just do his work, let him do his work in your life. And this is an invitation for you to open the door, to open the door. And if you don't know Jesus yet, it's an, op an opportunity for you to open the door for him by just simply saying, God, show me who you are. Show me who you are. So with that in mind, I want you to enjoy, be broken, be wrecked, all those things. And I want you to engage with God in a very powerful way. Is that a deal?
So the bread and the juice. So if I get a home team person to bring some bread and juice up to me so I can partake of it as well, that'd be amazing if you could do that for me. So we're gonna start with the bread. Shall we do that? So the bread, this, this Passover meal had many elements to it. That's awesome. So you are such a servant. Try not to spill it, there we go. The bread is unleavened. The Passover had unleavened bread in it. And this was going to be a symbol of the coming Christ. Jesus was without sin. Leaven represents sin. So Jesus was without sin. Jesus emptied himself of the right to be regarded as God, took upon the form of a human servant, according to Philippians chapter 2. This bread represents his incarnation. This Christmas season that we celebrate Christmas, this incarnation is such a significant thing because the reality is is that Jesus for all eternity sat next to his father on the throne of God and then when the angels were created there was a host of angels around Jesus that proclaimed holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty and for all, for, for who knows how long, but for a very long period of time, every day, 24 seven, that's what Jesus heard. And Jesus and the Father made a decision that he would empty himself of that right. And that he would come into this world, be born of a virgin, born without sin, a sinful nature, unlike you and me. You and I have sinful natures, but Jesus was different. He was fully human, but without a sinful nature. And as Jesus emptied himself, he then lived a sinless life, a leaven-free life, a life without sin. And that qualified him to be the perfect lamb of God that would eventually sacrifice his own life so that you and I could be made right with God. Isn't that amazing? I'm just going to just say this right, right to your face. Listen to me. You are not good enough to go to heaven. Nobody is. You can't make it. You're not going to make it apart from Jesus. That's the truth. And this bread represents 
his purity, his incarnation, his humanness. And I, I can only imagine, I think one of the greatest sacrifices that Christ made was in this incarnation. There was a, there was a separation between him and the Father for a short period of time. He wasn't sitting next to the Father. Yes, he went and prayed, but it was different. And as being a man, he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. I mean every way that you and I are tempted and yet without sin. And the greatest sacrifice, I believe, was the fact that he no longer was the object of worship. In fact, as a human, as a human, he was spit upon, he was mocked, he fled for his life because Herod was threatened by him when he was two year, under two years old. He, had to be, he went down to Egypt. His parents took him down there. From the time that he was born, he was the object of ridicule and he, was the, he wasn't the object of worship. He was the object of scorn. And the religious people of the day were trying to find loopholes of why we would, they wouldn't believe in him instead of just looking at his miracles and realizing this is God in human flesh. This is God in human flesh. This bread represents that sacrifice that he made in just becoming human. And I'm just simply saying that without that sacrifice, without Christmas, without the incarnation, without Jesus qualifying himself as the Lamb of God, you would still be in your sin and you'd still be lost without hope, without the ability to have joy, without the ability to have any sense of purpose in your life. Jesus makes sense of our lives. So as we partake together this bread, we're saying in our own soul, I believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God himself. I believe that he is the God-man, the sinless man, the God-man who came into this world for me, for me. And that should wreck you a bit. It should wreck you a bit. So together, let's partake of this bread, worshiping the Son of God for who he really is. Let's eat together.
What a beautiful song, right? Amazing song. Thank you for that. But what that represents is kind of a dual nature because it, it represents this beauty and this pain all at the same time. So now we come to the cup. That night, there were actually four cups that were passed around, one of them being the cup of redemption that Jesus took and he instituted a new covenant. This is a new covenant with his people. Something different than the old covenant, new covenant. Based not on performance, based not on the law, based on his grace, based on what Christ would do. And he says that this blood represents what he will do. This cup represents what he will do. This blood is for the remission of sin. This represents that blood. So he's talking about what's going to happen to him sacrificially when he dies. It's talking about his amazing sacrifice on that cross. So we would be remiss if we didn't slow our lives down a bit and just recognize the extent of the payment that was made on our behalf. And I want to just say to you one more time, you have no chance of heaven outside of what this cup represents. You have no chance. You're not good enough. You're not righteous enough. This cup represents what Christ did for us on the cross. This sacrificial death on our behalf. So let's just rehearse what happened. So he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, went from the upper room. They sang a hymn. They left that day. They went to the garden. And there he was arrested. And there most of the disciples fled from him except one. He was rejected and betrayed and he was taken to a, to a mock trial. It was a joke. It wasn't legal. And the Roman government wanted to, let, wanted to release him. But the people that were following him, that saw his miracles, that saw what he did, saw his power, saw him do some amazing things, cried out and said, we want Jesus dead. And Jesus knew that was his mission. This didn't take him by surprise. He knew he had prepared for this day. He, had knew, he knew this day was coming. And in this process of, of his death, he was arrested and he was crucified because he declared that he was the Son of God. That he was God in human flesh. So he was stripped of his clothes. He was literally, I don't mean to gross you out, but he was literally skinned alive by his beatings. That's what happened that day. Most men would have died in the beating that he took. He went up to Golgotha where, the, where he would be crucified and he was nailed to a cross. And for six hours, from about nine o'clock in the morning until about three in the afternoon, 
he hung on that cross and the only way that he could survive that cross as long as he did is that he would take his hands that were nailed and his feet that were nailed he would pull himself up and breathe and then he would collapse he eventually died of suffocation that's what he died of suffocation and he lasted there hours and even even then people were getting if you're the son of God come down off that cross save yourself and he stayed there because and he could have he could have called, called 10,000 angels and it would have been over that day but he chose to stay there on that cross because the only way you could go to heaven is if your sins were paid for. And eventually, he gave up his spirit and died. He said it is finished. What he meant by that is the payment was made in full. And in the midst of all this, there's lots of things that happened while he was on the cross. There was darkness on the face of the land and there was a there was a veil in the temple that was, you know, probably about six inches or better wide. And uh, it separated the Holy of Holies from the, just the ordinary, the commonplace. And when Jesus died, that curtain was rent in two, meaning that I now no longer need to have any priest ever, ever, ever intercede for me. I have Jesus. That's who I have. I don't need a man, I don't need a pastor, I don't need a priest, I don't need anybody because Jesus said it is finished, that all my sins are forgiven. And there on that cross, there is a moment in time when Jesus cries out in anguish and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There came a moment in time, according to 2 Corinthians, the scripture says that he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there was an exchange that was made on that cross. I exchanged my sin for his righteousness and God poured out his wrath for my sin on his son in payment in full for all eternity. For all eternity, I don't ever have to doubt whether God loves me because that day proved that he loved me. His payment was made in full. It was complete. And what was fascinating about that day is in that in all this, all this stuff happening, there was a resurrection where people actually rose from the dead and went back into Jerusalem, other people. And you'd think people would go, what is up with that? How did that happen? Didn't we just bury you last week and now you're back? How did that happen? And I'm just simply saying to you that when you think about everything that I've just explained to you, it should wreck you. It should, it should cause you to just stop and go, are you stinking kidding me? Christ did that for me on my behalf. And so this upper room thing, this cup, this bread is no small matter as we think about who Christ is. They, these are pictures of what Christ, who Christ is and what he came to do for you and I.
And I'm going to say this to you one last time. Please hear me loud and clear. My friend, you're just not good enough. You're just not. You'll never be good enough in your own strength to face death and go to heaven. Only Christ can deliver you. And that's what this cup represents. This cup represents his sacrificial death, his shed blood, the innocent for the guilty. He became sin so I could become his, the righteousness in him, of, of God in him. And for all eternity, I can enjoy the presence of God and I can answer the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. That happens because of this cup that he drank in full. He literally took on the wrath of God and was separated from his father because of that wrath for a moment in time so that you and I could never would never have to be separated ever, ever again. And if that doesn't wreck you, I don't know what will. I don't know. Because that is mind-blowing that God would do that for you. I mean, I know some of you. I wouldn't do it for you. But Christ did. Christ did, didn't he? And as you drink this, you're saying... I believe that Jesus' death, his blood, is sufficient for all of my sins. Let's drink together. Oh 